0: to another episode of knowledge and accessibility with me kiana washington where we talk about all things finance business and mortgage related so on today's episode we have rosanna pierce known to the world as the Viz lawyer thank you for joining us thank you for
1: having me thank you for inviting me this is exciting
0: Thank you, absolutely. So it was really important for me to get you on. Mm -hmm. For one, you're from Chicago. Um, You are Black Girl Magic at its finest. I've been following you for quite some time. Mm And to me, you're a staple of our community here in Chicago. So it was super, super important to have you on and just to be able to educate the people on what it is that you do. Because for me, your position is top tier. When I was a kid, I just always remember saying I wanted to be an attorney. So now to be sitting in front of a young black woman who's Mm -hmm. an attorney. And her company is one of top 50 companies in the country. Yes. I am so honored to have you on.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much to have me and to invite me. I'm excited. And it's not too late. You're still become an attorney, too. We're going to talk about that.
0: <laughs>
1: Look, we're maybe in another
0: year. Maybe yeah. in a, another lifetime. I'm sorry. Not another year. Yeah. Um, so, no. Tell us about what you do. Um, as I mentioned, you are known to the world as the biz lawyer. Mm. What does the biz lawyer do?
1: So I am actually a full service, well, I'm a CEO, I'm a mom, and I'm a trademark attorney. So when I finished school, um, finished law school, didn't have really an offer to get a job or anything like that, but I knew that, um, well... I actually wanted to get a job, basically, in all transparency. But when I was finishing my last semester of law school, um, at the time my son was eleven, um, I had a seven-year-old, and I had a newborn baby. And so um, my, you know, my kids had always been going through the motions with me as I've been working and going to school. Felt like for all my life, <laughs> but um, you know, my last semester of law school. Um, was the time where I was like, okay, I have these kids. Let me just finish. I want to pass the bar on the first time so I never have to do that again. And so I took the bar in February. The baby was five months old at the time when I took the bar. Um, And I passed on the first time, thank God. And in Illinois, before they give you your license, you have to take a professional responsibility course. And so I took the bar February. And actually, you don't get your results until April 1st. And what I realized is that um, when I was sitting at home, it was my first time being able to sit home and be present when my kids came home from school. And I was like, you know, I really missed out, like, On motherhood with them and I really want to be more present in their life but now I always wanted to be a lawyer since I was five and this is happening too and so I remember on a break when I was doing the professional responsibility I say God makes no mistakes because that was actually taught by a professor at the law school who taught lawyers how to start their own business and I was telling him I was like I don't have any job offers because you know most lawyers coming out of law school you have job offers I was like I don't have any job offers but I do believe it's going to be too demanding on my Time I want to do intellectual property law, and um, you know I want to either work for a big corporation, which is a hard thing to do to get an in-house counsel position right out of law school, or I want to you know work at a big law firm who represent those type of clients. And he was like, you know you'll go a long way serving the underserved and you should just start your own business. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to do that. Uh, Most lawyers I know in solo practice, they'd be looking all ran down, you know, broke, overworked, tired. And (laughs) I was just like, I don't know. That ain't, that ain't ain't what I signed up for. And he was like, no. And I was like, and I don't want to do criminal law. And he was like, no, like who's underserved in the practice area you want to practice in. And I remember saying, pausing and saying "Hmm, small business owners he said you'll go a long way serving them and if i could be completely honest at the time when you come out of law school, a Chicago first-year associate at one of these big mm-hmm. law firms, they make 160000 a year. That was the starting salary. And so I was, like, looking at that number, like, oh, life will be so good. Yeah. And, you know, you know, I say, God, he, he has a bigger plan when we have a plan for ourselves. And, you know, fast forward now, I can make that in a month in my business now, serving the underserved small business owners.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow, that was incredible. Um, Question, <laughs> this is so off topic. Are you kin to Paul J. Pierce that owns Pierce & Associates?
1: No, I'm not, <laughs> actually. I'm not. Now, who, like, he's in Chicago?
0: Yeah, so that was the first, the, the second law firm that I worked for, and it oh. just randomly
1: came, and I'm like, wait. Oh. Paul J Pierce, RJ Pierce. You know, it's actually crazy. I never heard of that, but Pier- I did hear Yeah, Pierce and Associate. Yeah, yeah, firm, but um every time somebody asks me my last name, I'll say Pierce and they'll be like, "Hi," huh? and I'll be like, "Paul Pierce, I'm referring to the basketball player." Uh-huh. And when I say his name then they know what I'm t- my name and so I know. I got to look that up Yeah. Now. So, wow. peers and
0: Associates, um, yeah. that's the owner name. That was the second law firm that I worked for. It's a mortgage firm, It's right? a mortgage yeah. firm, yep. Yeah. So, that now that explains and goes back to my mortgage history. Yeah. So, that was the first law firm that I worked for. Um, and I just remember working hand-in-hand with attorneys. I was yeah. a legal assistant there. Yeah. Um, And my dreams were still alive to go to school and become an intellectual property attorney. So, again, I am just honored and super, super excited just to um, be able to, again, to witness this black girl magic. So Mm -hmm. when I saw the business line of work that you were doing and you were Mm -hmm. doing trademarks, Mm -hmm. I'm a small business. Yeah. I was like, I have to get in contact with her yeah. right away. And I did that. And so, literally, just two days ago, my company is officially certified trademark from yeah. your company. Yeah. So, KNA, um, yeah. we have the honor to put the R. Yeah. Behind our company name. Yes. Can you tell us the difference between those samples?
1: Congratulations. We, Cause thank I, you. I, I seen it come out and I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna wait till I get to this podcast. It's, you know, just congratulate and salute you on being a registered trademark owner. That is legendary because not a lot of people know a trademark is an yes. actual business asset yes. that can outlive you. Coca Cola's been registered since eighteen ninety three, Mercedes since nineteen oh three, and those have outlived their founders. So this is a legacy mm-hmm. builder that you could pass on to your kids. But okay. So now you're taking a TM <laughs> to the R symbol, right? Yes. So the TM symbol is just basically telling, putting the public on notice that you are using that brand name as a trademark. Now you can use that TM symbol, whether the trademark application is on file or not. It's just basically, it has no legal um, rep- replications or anything. It's just saying you're putting on notice that you're claiming trademark rights in it. Now I don't recommend people hold out a brand and put a TM symbol if there is no application on file, because what's going to happen most likely a competitor will see that. And if they thought that trademark was theirs and they were using it, the mm-hmm. first thing they're going to go do is look it up and file it themselves. Now the R symbol, you that is a legal symbol that you can only utilize once you have a registered trademark because the R symbol actually tells the public this is a registered trademark. And sometimes you'll see like, you know, um, you'll see like um, just do it and it had have an R symbol and it say just do it as a registered trademark by a Nike corporation or something like that so that is you know so that's the difference okay. and then also you have the C symbol with the circle which is the copyright symbol now you can use that symbol as freely as you can use the TM symbol but now recently the Supreme Court has said that you cannot bring a copyright infringement case if you do not have copyright registration and so you will register Register your copyright with the Library of Congress, the copyright.gov. So, yes, those okay. are the differences.
0: That's good information. So, basically, now that I have that R, I'm really that girl. You're really that girl. <laughs> you, you, you
1: registered, you're official, and you could tell them put some respect on your name. Absol-
0: <laughs> Double respect <laughs> on my name. Yes. yes, yes. So, would you say that it's super crucial for all small businesses to move forward and look into trademarking?
1: So, you know, I tell people, because I'm a trademark lawyer, I'm not going to say. Every single business need a trademark, right? And the only type of business that will not need a trademark is the one that is not operating in the marketplace, right? So you're in real estate and things like that. So sometimes we have holding companies where they're just holding property and they're just Mm -hmm. managing those properties and things like that. If they don't have any compet, but if you're a property management company and you have other competitors in the marketplace, then you definitely want to register your trademark. Or if you are a real estate company and and you are selling real estate right so it really how I tell people to determine if you need a trademark is if you're going to attach a product or a service and place that product or service in the marketplace and you will fill away if your competitor take that name mm-hmm. or something very similar and register it so like if you just have a holding company where all, it just holds all your intellectual property that that is per, per se not operating in the marketplace. It's just holding. But any other time, if you, I always ask people, will you build a house on land you don't own? I'm actually, you, would you do that? Mm, yes and no, though. Why? Tell me why. Yes so or no. So I would. Especially in the States. Tell me why yes and no.
0: Okay, so now that's the difference. But, yeah. but my answer still would kind of be yes and no.
1: Okay, tell me why. So
0: I will say yes, I will build a house on a land I do not own uh-huh. because that particular land owner have the ability to buy me out.
1: Well, they can actually just come and tear the house down because they own the land. Because they own the land, exactly. So it's the same thing in business principles, right? You don't want to build a brand that you don't own. So, because like if I build a brand and I don't own it, the the technical owner of the brand name, they don't have to buy me out. They can just say shut that business down because it's infringing on my brand name. And if you don't, I can take you to court and demand that you pay me three times the amount of profits that you got, right? Okay. So, and it's the same thing, like you know, when we build houses on land in the U S we want to clear the land first to make yes. sure that no one owns it. And we want to make sure we have title indeed to the land so that we are owning the foundation upon which we're building on. And it's the same when it comes to, you know, trademarking your business as well.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So when I heard you mention that you have three children, yes. Can you give us some insight on how was it when you were beginning your journey, um, Mm -hmm. even starting within law school up until now being this dynamic entrepreneur? What was the balance like?
1: Girl, balance is a (laughs) fictitious word. (laughs) If if you're trying to find balance, it's just, you know. So my son right now is 21. I have a daughter who's 17. She's on her way to college. My son is in college right now. And then I have a 10-year-old and, you know, And as an entrepreneur now, you know, sometimes you have to just prioritize, right? Um, Everything probably is not going to get the attention that you want to give it. I was just telling this story earlier today where I remember, you know, talking to my mom and I'm like, you know, I got to stop breastfeeding a baby because I really need to study. Every woman that I encountered that passed the bar They told me, like, I legit almost have to neglect my kids in a two- to three-month period. And that was hard for me to digest when I first heard it. But, you know, I talked to my mom, and I was just like, you know, I... I have this baby and she ain't asked to be here. Mm-hmm. And now I'm I was, I'm breastfeeding. I'm like, but I need to stop doing that in order to be in a library 16 hours a day and studying. And my mom was like, you know, I got these kids. I took care of you. So you had a dynamic support system. Support system for sure. And then I would just say, God, but God, you know, nothing but God, right? And, you know, sometimes you just have to prioritize things, right? Like my kids are the world to me. They're my why, right? But sometimes I can't give them as much as I need to give them cuz I got to get things to take and put in place for them so they can have the best that they need to have. Mm-hmm. And fast forward 10 years later now, you know, my baby girl who's 10, she she loves her life and things are going on, but mm-hmm. it could have only been afforded to her had I made had I made that sacrifice, sacrifice that absolutely. I did when she was such a baby and don't even remember, right? <laughs> and that's what my mama said. Is she gonna remember because how do you remember when you was five months old and i was like actually i don't she was like how about a year three years old how about five years old i was like i don't she was like this baby gonna be fine you go do what you gotta do and because of that i made a sacrifice i was disciplined i was focused mm-hmm. and i passed the first time but also to in entrepreneurship even Going through law school, the first day they tell you you're going to lose some people because they're not going to understand this process. And I was like, oh, they ain't talking to me. Not my girls. Not my... (laughs) And my girls is family, okay? And... They were absolutely right because people will begin to confuse your focus for acting funny, mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with me acting funny. I'm just focused on some things, and and even at, But it taught me so much because I didn't plan on being an entrepreneur, but God was preparing me for things that, He had planned for me Mm -hmm. and you know the discipline of what I needed to do and have in law school and studying for the bar it helps me as an entrepreneur and that's why you know I have built a trademark law firm that's ranked like number 37 out of over 28,000 hold on wait wait
0: say that again
1: it's number 37 out of over 28,000 trademark law wow. firms in the country now. Yes. And I'm ranked number 15 out of over 33,000 trademark attorneys in the country. And the reason being is because I just have a certain type of discipline mm-hmm. about me. And some, I mean, it could be a gift and a curse because, I mean, sometimes I have tunnel vision on mm-hmm. things when I'm focused on it, right? And, like, everything else, right? Because that that balance thing, sometimes it's about... Prioritizing because yes. if everything is balanced, nothing is moving really, right? Because mm-hmm. it's balanced. But in order to get some movement, sometimes you got to weigh that scale a little bit. And it becomes imbalanced, but it's okay as long as progress well, we is we want,
0: I don't even believe that it's an imbalance mm-hmm. because it's it's an imbalance outside looking in. Yeah. But it's more of a dynamic of what you need to do in order yeah. to prevail. So, yeah, me, I'm kind of the same way. I don't yeah. believe in... um. To me, entrepreneurship is a thing, Mm. and I I say it all the time, and I'm Mm. going to continue to emphasize on it. Entrepreneurship is a thing to me. I believe Mm. everybody have the will to Mm. become an entrepreneur because you're basically soliciting a service, um, a product, Mm. and at that point you are that entrepreneur because you're selling or servicing something or Mm -hmm. someone, right? Um, I believe that what you make entrepreneur out to be is Mm. what kind of determines how you show up in the world and how the world will perceive you so everyone have the ability to be an entrepreneur but when you're doing it within purpose such as what you're doing now it just kind of weighs out different and it's seen by the world different so that's why I was like look I'm so grateful that you're here because to me I don't see just an entrepreneur I see someone that's making a difference Mm -hmm. that's changing lives so that's what I see excuse me I don't see just hey um double minority entrepreneur that's making yeah. six figures. Yeah. That's yeah. not what I see. And I I think it's because of the pride that you have, yeah. um, how you do it with grace. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, we, like I was just telling someone like and entrepreneurship is a lifestyle you have to yes. embody it right and I, I don't believe it's for everybody I don't because it's just certain things that you got to go inside of you and get that you ain't even know you mm-hmm. had in order to keep pushing through right Um, you know I, I remember a pastor talking about the difference between consistency and persistence right mm-hmm. and like you know you can be consistent but as an entrepreneur you also got to be persistent mm-hmm. because sometimes things is just gonna you're gonna get a lot of no's before you hit some yes that's right and it's you you I, re, I remember in Rick Ross book I think he talks about like being okay with failure like yes. it's a part of the process right and so I just believe as an entrepreneur like you you it you you got to be cut from some things you ain't know like you had. And for me now, it's about really understanding what my why is, right? And so now I have a team of 15 team members that work with me. And, I, you know, I tell my team, my firm is called R.J. Pierce Law Group, right? We've been around for 10 years, but the firm is bigger than me, Rosina Jennifer Pierce, right? It's about the mission that we embody and we're pushing forward. And because, you know, I try to lead with our influence, right? And not authority, which Pastor Daniels talked about. Um, it, it works. It works for us because, you know, I have team members that show up like rock stars, right? And it and they're like, I I want to be a part of this, right? And they're, you know, they're they're in a sense they're entrepreneurs in their own right because they're taking ownership of something within something but at the same time like they're team players as well and so I think that's a very important part too and when it comes to entrepreneurship you got to you gotta know how to serve in order to receive service back. And I actually worked, I worked in corporate America. I worked in different places and I mm-hmm. served to where it's like now I understand like, okay, what true leadership means and what leadership development so that I can move the needle and moving people, you know, towards a mission. Cause it's not just me, right? Like the firm and we actually, we, we've we been a seven figure firm since 2020 now. And you know, we're, we're doing some things different now. We're shifting because society is moving different but we I can't sit here and say you know the firm is number 37 or I'm number 15 and I did it all by myself
0: absolutely it it took an
1: absolute team like teamwork definitely makes the dream work and you know like I I I, I give my team all the credit so that I can come out and you know I just was at a two-day conference networking and meeting people and show up at podcast interviews and things like that because I built the team of a solid group of people who who they are, they bought into the mission of serving the underserved and making sure that they have brand protection so that they can secure ownership so that they can build legacies upon that as well.
0: So maybe you can give me a little advice. How did you go about picking who you wanted to be on your team or who was going to be a part of your company? Because I'm going to be honest, um, I am struggling with mm-hmm. K&A Mortgage Brokerage. Mm-hmm. I have had a few people test in, um... I have had a few people say they were going to start and they they just they're not ready. They're not Mm -hmm. there. And it's like, am I picking the wrong type of people? Am I attracting the wrong type of tribe? Mm -hmm. What am I delivering the incorrect message? So Mm -hmm. how did you go about um, picking the people that was going to be a part of your company?
1: So I'll say two things. One, I think, you know, when you're doing your God given mission and I just I You know, we supposed to be sitting down talking about trademarks and business, but (laughs) I got to give them the glory and any and every time I have the opportunity to because I have to say nothing but God. Right. My first two employees who was eventually promoted to my CMO, which was my chief marketing officer, and then my COO, like I my COO came because her and my daughter played basketball together and we was just in the bleachers talking. Right. And so, like, I'm like, okay, that's God sent. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And she right down the street from the house. So it just made it all work. Um, my CMO came from, I was still living in Chicago. I was terrible with social media marketing, <laughs> right? And so I'm like, girl, we met at a networking event. I'm like, girl, your, your Instagram is popping. How you do that? And she, while she talking, it sound like Charlie Brown, wah, 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 wah. Cause I'm like, I don't understand nothing she talking about mm-hmm. with these apps and all that. And F- F- the how she got done. I was just like, can I pay you to do it? Yeah. Right? And so, um, just being willing to do that. But then I would say once the firm begins to grow, I don't pick people. I hired an HR consultant okay. because that's their specialty and that's their job, right? And my HR, so yesterday, the conference we were at, I had two of my attorneys with me. My HR consultant hired them two years ago, and I promoted one within three months. He's the chief legal officer of the firm now. And, you know, then I have my um, my other associate attorney, she hired, you know. And so I think as a CEO, sometimes we have to leaning on help right mm-hmm. and It's something that's that's her expertise, right? Yes. And and I understand all businesses can start with like an HR consultant and things like that. But you'd be surprised you can hire them on a project basis just to find you help. And I'm not saying that's a perfect process because we have hired some people and it has not worked, right? But at least it doesn't tie me up to we didn't looking at resumes, right? Um, you know, doing first round interviews and things like that. Like you have someone who who does it day in and day out with that experience. So I would say that, but also too, um, for me, I find that people who follow you on Instagram, who, who like what you're doing, sometimes they don't want to be the CEO they want to come in and help and and it's always important too in the interview process to ask people what's their goals like what's your goal right and sometimes like right now you know I'm looking to hire someone who wants to be like in a leadership role like you know CEO kind of integrator kind of role right so if you tell me in this interview you want to be a boss you want to take on things you're the person I need to hire right But that's not always the case in each stage of the business, because I might need someone who don't need to be want to be a boss, but they want to help build something because we're in the process of building this brand. So I think it's about just being clear on what it is you need at that moment and being transparent in that interview. Right. So like you say, hey, I might not be for you. You might not be for me. But if we're honest with each other, we can probably hopefully meet. Right there, we the of together. Exactly. Yeah. Do you
0: feel as if um, utilizing social media it, it kind of put like a highlight to your business or Absolutely. services that you were offering?
1: Absolutely. Because I am
0: on a struggle bus. Okay. Really. <laughs> when it comes to social media, it's so time consuming. So I have yeah. um outsourced and hired someone yeah. to you know put the yeah. information out. Yeah. But the tribe that I currently have, uh-huh. they're looking for me. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm doing 90 things. I'm in what restaurant. they're looking for you? They're looking for me to show up and be the person that's talking and speaking and doing this, uh, doing the content. Yeah. And I can't deliver that so you, on a day to day. So right day-to-day. now you're
1: just posting, like, content? Yes. Like, so, okay, so with social media, it's like a pig, and they want to eat. And yes. if you don't <laughs> feed that pig, that pig going to go somewhere else and find something to eat. So you you do have to make time like this morning in my hotel room i went live and i was only supposed to be on live for 30 minutes but i was (laughs) on there for 45 minutes because everybody got all these questions and stuff but they saturday morning everybody tuned in you know listening and talking with me so you have to find time and even if it's just batching like okay so you have so much knowledge about the mortgage industry you can record seven videos at one time cut it up batch it up you get what I'm saying and post it and now they're getting you and you don't roll it all out at one time you disperse it in between that stagnant content as well you get what I'm Mm -hmm. saying because for me right now I don't have but I have to make time because really that's where the majority of our clients come from and things like that but also too when I speak I speak about a team my okay. team. So when people show up and do business with my firm, they understand they're not going to get me on the you. phone, yep. right? They're not going to get me as the lawyer, right? And so I convey that message and things of that nature. But right now, just the way the world is going, and I was just talking about this, you know, everybody wants to consume content and they, they want to consume that video content because they want to know, like, and trust you. And so it's just like... You,
0: Transparency. They, they want to know who you are. Exactly.
1: And so... like. like. Like, even me doing this, right? Like, people get to know me through your podcast. They probably don't have to scroll down (laughs) my 4,000 posts that I have made so (laughs) far, right? So, you know, so it's just like just showing up in different ways so that they can relate to you, I think is important because social media is challenging. And that's why, if you notice what I said, my very first hire, was my social media manager and they become the person who tell you what you need to do. Cause I mm-hmm. hated videos. I hated doing videos. I still, if you notice, I still don't do it. I'd rather get on the line and talk to yeah. people right. than do a video. So what I'm telling you to do, 30 people didn't already <laughs> tell me I need to do Look, it, right?
0: I've been hearing it on the right <laughs> side, the left side, front, back. Um,
1: but it works it works
0: and I, I definitely know yeah. that it works it's yeah. just the uh, consistency so it goes back to what Pastor said yeah. outside of being persistent because I'm super persistent you also yeah. have to be able to display that consistency Consistent as well and show up. so I know we were supposed to talk about trademarks and I want to be able to give um, yeah, our audience a lot of information based upon it because I feel like trademarks are great mm-hmm. um, learning about what how trademarks can carry over for your business was one of the reasons why I went ahead and jumped on it immediately so I asked you about, do you think it will be great for every business owner to have a trademark? You Mm -hmm. basically let us know that it Mm -hmm. depends on the type of business that Mm -hmm. you have. So for companies that's already trademarked and registered, how long does a trademark
1: live? Is it lifelong? Is it a certain amount?
0: is, Is there an
1: expiration date? That's a great question. So again, a trademark will last as long as you use it, you will not lose it but you have to maintain your registration. So when we incorporate our businesses under the Secretary of State, we have to file an annual report, which is every year. But with our trademark, we file a maintenance document letting the government know that we are continuously using it. And that's due between our fifth and sixth year anniversary and then our ninth and tenth year anniversary. And then every 10 years thereafter. So if you go look at the Coca-Cola registration from 1893, I think they started um, batching it digitally. I think it goes all the way back to like 1975. You can see where Coca-Cola is filing their statement of continuous use every 10 years. So you do have to keep the registration up through your maintenance document. So that is but also making sure that you are continuously using the name and using the mark as well.
0: Okay. Yep. Now, what if I am a LLC series? Because I, I'm seeing a lot of people are leaning to that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the beauty industry mm-hmm. individuals, they're doing LLC series because they may be a mm-hmm. beautician and then mm-hmm. they also may have a hair care line. Yeah, yeah. So what about LLC
1: series? Can they benefit for trademarks? So, um You can benefit. So here's the thing. Series LLCs is something that's very new. Only 14 states have adopted it. Um, Illinois is one of those states that has adopted it. And basically, I would say... At the time when LLCs used to be 300 in the state of Illinois, $300, it made sense because then you'll add the series for an extra $100. But I believe when Governor Reiner was around, he changed it and reduced the rate to where now LLC is only $75. So therefore, I would not recommend a series LLC. This is why. It's because you are tying each business to each other, Mm -hmm. right? And we incorporate so that we can actually insulate our businesses and ourselves from any legal liability that is to arise out of that business so therefore if you have a beauty salon you have a hair product line and you have a hair let's say a hair weave line right and the hair weave line is doing really great because guess what you can ship internationally worldwide right but then you don't want so if the profits from the hair weave line is doing really well and the hair products line is doing really well, you don't want someone to come in a salon slip and fall and now they're trying to sue you. And let's say you should have business insurance for sure, sure, right? But your policy limit, right? Depending on what's covered, right? You don't want them to try to tap into also the revenue that comes in from the hair weave line and also the hair product line mm-hmm. because a great attorney is gonna follow the money and go to the deep pockets. So we gonna try to collect all the coins if we can if we have an injured client and we can prove their damages is up to that amount so it makes a lot of sense to separate your entities um, especially and also for tax purposes right because think about it if you have all these businesses lumped together and say each business is doing a million dollars a year now you are taxed at a three million dollar rate versus if you separate them out you Mm -hmm. now minimize your tax liability because you have a million dollar business here a million dollar business there a million dollar business there so you know I always tell people the law is not a one size fit all garment and so like what may work for you may not work for the next person but you know that is my general consensus you want to separate your businesses out because here's the thing if you for whatever reason, this business is held liable, then the, the, the partner, the, the parent company, is also going to be held liable for that liability, which may open up the other assets of the parent company as well. So
0: with my business, I'm a corporation. Um, Smart. I hmm ch- <laughs> I knew that. (laughs) I chose corporation for the smart reasons, Mm -hmm. but um, when I'm helping my business clients start their businesses, Mm -hmm. initially they're coming in and they're talking about LLCs. Mm -hmm. We know that they're only um, really leaning towards LLCs because that's the first thing we learned about when we learned about registering businesses. Mm -hmm. So... If they don't know about the different ways that you can register these entities, everyone only conforms to LLC. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the difference um, mm-hmm. as to why you would use corporation? Why versus I have L- a corporation? Why you have a corporation a versus the LLC? Yes,
1: and that's a great question because everybody talks about LLCs on Instagram yes. like that is the only type of business entity. But again,
0: I'd be ready to scream, no. and I was like, look, it's too many of them. It's one of you. No, go ahead two and just it's, it's two of us. So, now that, yeah, okay. so now, now that I know I have some backing up. six of us. Okay. So now I know I got yeah. a
1: tribe behind me. Yes. I'm about
0: to speak on it because it's driving me and I'm just like, yeah. why? And,
1: and you know why, right? So, okay. So we incorporate for Three different reasons primarily. One, for the um, legal liability, the shield, right, to be protected as the individual in case someone wants to sue us or anything like that. It protects the individual owner, right? <laughs> um, the second reason is for tax purposes. And then a third reason is if you want to ever take out business loans, funding, venture capitalists, like most Companies, financial institutions or funding company, they don't want to invest in a sole um, a solo practitioner. I mean, I'm sorry, a sole proprietor. So they will be willing to invest in a company, especially for venture capitalists. They want to take a piece of the company. Right. Yes. So but when it comes to the differences, there are some differences tax related. Right. And not a lot of people even know that you can elect for your LLC to be taxed as an S corp. They think an S corp is a separate type of entity when it's actually Mm -hmm. a tax designation that you elect with the federal government, the IRS to say tax me as a small business corporation. And
0: just to elaborate, she's speaking upon when you're registering for your EIN number.
1: Right. When you're registering as when you're registering, because here's the thing, as an LLC, if you're just a regular LLC, you're still going to be taxed like you're an individual, right? So you can elect for that LLC to be taxed as As a corporation, as Mm -hmm. an S-corp. But also, too, the differences legally, right? So there's a lot of differences when it comes to taxes, right? The legal difference is the corporation, right, which is the oldest type of entity, which is basically what the corporations are who paying the lobbyists mm-hmm. to make the laws to make sure we have they have the fullest protection, right? So you want to go where the fullest protection is, right? Um, the LLC is not as old of an instrument as a corporation, so it's not there's there's laws and precedent on it, but it leaves a lot of room for the judge's discretion, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, so under um, corporations, you are required to keep legal documentation to say that the corporation is separate from its owners or shareholders and things like that so you need to keep corporate records you need to have um actual um corporate meetings Sharehold where you have minutes, mm-hmm. you keep your minutes you want to have corporate resolutions you know those type of things right it's not required for an llc to have that But good legal counsel will tell you to do it anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, when there's a legal issue and you're facing, you're in court and you're facing a judge or a jury, one of the questions is going to be, should your corporate veil be pierced or not, right? And so in order for it not to be pierced, you have to make sure you're maintaining that corporation independent of your individual self, right? And so... Um, again, it's a lot of discretion when it comes to LLCs, but there's a lot of protection on that corporate side where it's going to be really, really, you got to do, you got to be like very, very negligent mm-hmm. and running that business in order to get that corporate shield pierced, right? Girl, you
0: just told me my whole bylaws. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. yes. (laughs) Literally, you just read and broke it down in simplest terms. And nobody uh, talks about this. Bylaws. No, and it's like, I I want to talk about it so much. And it's just like, look, we're seeing left and right, LLC, LLC. But my take on it is totally different. Um, And then I try to even simplify it and say, What is McDonald's? Yeah. That's a corporation. So when you're thinking about starting your businesses and you're getting these businesses registered on profile, just think big. Yeah. Think big in those terms of corporation and the advantages that corporations can offer.
1: And so, for example, like they're, okay, so say for instance you buy and flip properties, right? Mm -hmm. But then say for instance you are a landlord and you hold properties. In certain states, depending on how their laws go and things like that, one of those businesses might benefit from an LLC mm-hmm. and the other one might benefit from a corporation because those that type of income is looked at differently on a federal level from the IRS yes. so that's why it's not a one-size-fit-all garment right and that's why as a business owner it it, it, it will benefit you to book a, a strategy call with a lawyer and a CPA just to know like what is the best entity type for you going into the situation like we mentioned S corps And a lot of people, you know, they don't recommend S-Corps because, you know, you do have to pay payroll taxes and you have to set up payroll and things like that. But once you get to a certain, se- certain point in your business, a financial point, you want that S-Corp because it's going to save you so much money on your tax bill. See, And I thought it was vice
0: versa. I what thought is- it was it's best to have an S-Corp and not a C-Corp. However, I'm a C-Corp.
1: No, I think you should have an S Corp. I think you should be taxed as a, so the, so the difference, so what I'm saying is, is that, um, you, you know, you, when you're starting out at business it might not be best to jump right into an s corp that's what i was saying but the difference between the s corp and the corp is the c corp is going to be exposed to double taxation yeah so you're going to pay um, taxes from the corporate side and you're going to pay taxes from, from the, the owner side yep exactly but with the s corp it kind of alleviates you from that double taxation and so what it is is It also helps because you have to pay self-employment tax. Mm -hmm. And now the IRS says that you get to actually... Pay yourself a reasonable salary mm-hmm. based on your position as the owner. So say for instance you made a hundred thousand in your business, but a reasonable salary in that position is only fifty thousand. So instead of the full hundred thousand being taxed at the self employment rate, now you can own it will be taxed with that fifty thousand. Yeah. As the salary. So So and for the me, the, the C Corp has
0: been grand, especially when it comes to capital. Mm. It has been my best friend. Um, You even mentioned, and just to go back into it, you stated that when we're going and we're gaining capital, um, these venture capital companies, they want a percentage. And we we see that all the time. They're putting Mm -hmm. these UCC filings against Mm -hmm. these businesses. So if you're not paying back at that point, they own some percentage of your company.
1: Well, sometimes if they're investing, they want the percentage up front. So you transfer the stocks within the business or a percentage of it, the business, to them up front. But yes, you're right. Um, If they don't recoup their money back, they can do that as well.
0: So do you think obtaining... Funding, business funding from the companies that's going to provide that UCC filing is the wrong thing to do? Or what's your take on when they're providing adding this UCC filing to these businesses?
1: I mean, it depends on where you are in business and what it is you need. Right. Because I I believe every business is not the business that needs venture capital. Maybe you just need a loan, right? Maybe you just need, right? And what type of loan? There's a lot of different type of loans. There's loans out here that require a personal guarantee. There's loans out here that does not require the personal guarantee. So I just, again, it really is dependent because like, you know, that might be the only loan that's willing to give your business the loan at the time. And if you need to make payroll, you know, you, but you got to go in knowing how you're going to pay that loan back and just be smart about that as well. So I would just say, like, again, it's not a one size fit all garment. And like certain circumstances that may work for one may not work for the other. Like we never really like we, we all we do is trademarks and I could talk about business law all day <laughs> long because I love it. Right. Mm-hmm. But. You know, more than likely we we advise and we counsel clients based on their goals and their visions. And each client has different goals and visions. And we don't like to like put everybody in a box because everybody is doing things different. And how we practice, it may be wise to do um, set up a client one way versus how we did the other client, if that makes sense.
0: So in reference to um, trademarking, does that consist or is, is that can that be considered intellectual property?
1: Yes. So um, there are actually four different types of intellectual property. And I say, you know, educated entrepreneur is a successful entrepreneur. We need to know all the different types, right? So there are four. There is copyrights, patents, trademarks, and trade secrets. Why do we need to know all four? Because we can have all four existing in our business, right? So a copyright actually protects photographs, pictures, logos, um, um, no, um, books, curriculums, that type of thing, right? And so... Um, The reason that's important right is because a copyright is actually granted to the creator under the law right so a lot of people say oh okay well i got a logo i'm gonna go pay my graphic designer to create my logo for me and It's my logo because I paid for it. Actually, no, it's not. It's
0: your The the graphic
1: designer actually owns the logo. Now, here's the exception. You can actually get the graphic designer, and I encourage business owners to get the graphic designer to actually sign a work for hire agreement transferring those copyrights to the business. Mm. The reason being is because if you're building the business, you want that logo to be your business asset, right? Because you're investing in the goodwill of the business, pushing the business forward, the value of that logo increases as well. Like Nike, right? Nike talk about how they hired the college student to do the swoosh symbol and you know at the time I think they only paid her like a hundred bucks or something like that but they also get her shares in a company which okay. now is worth over a million something dollars right now. But making sure you retain all of those rights. Like so when Disney have um, animators come down and they're creating animations and things like that, Disney is not going to allow these animators to create these animations put a million dollars more Multi-million dollars into the market to push the movie, but they don't own the copyrights. Mm-hmm. So every animator is on a work for hire agreement either through their independent contractor agreement or their employment agreement. So that's very important, very key that people understand why copyrights are important. It's also important because a copyright actually lasts 70 years plus the life of the author. So if your best friend did your logo for you, y'all, y'all, y'all the best of everything, and God forbid she dies. A clever lawyer like me, who's managing her estate can say you know what I want her estate to make money so I'm gonna go after all her copywritten work so mm. that they can pay royalties to this state so you have to be aware of things like this as a business owner so that you don't end up in a um, copyright issue like Nike did with the Jordan Jumpman photograph um, yes. that was taken a, a picture was taken of him in 1984 when he was at UNC before he became Jordan but they they knew right and so that the photographer who took that picture of Michael Jordan um, later sued Nike saying that the photograph, um, the logo, the Jumpman logo, which is a billion-dollar logo, by the way, is a derivative of his work from the picture that he took of Jordan in 1984 because there is no statute of limitations in intellectual property law. And so Nike actually won the case. Um, The judge said that the the logo was not substantially similar to the photograph because in the photograph, Jordan's arms and legs is not as straight as the actual logo, but... Think about it if the judge did not feel that way because it's subjective, right? And so as a business owner, you want to protect yourself on the front end of things like this. And then, okay, really, I'll go. I spend time on copyrights because not a lot of people know that and we're creating them every day. Every day. And we don't know, right? And so then... um, You have a patent, a patent actually protects an invention. So if you invented something, you know, a new microphone or, you know, something new that has never, the world has never seen before, that will be protected under a patent. Now, the government, um, they want to inspire innovation um, innovations in society. So, therefore, they actually only allow a patent to last 20 years. Now, if it's a design patent, it can last between 14 to 15 years. So, that's a patent. And then we have a trade secret. A trade secret is the only type of intellectual property. I saw that on your website. Yeah, you don't register with any government body because it's a secret right and as long as it's a secret it can make money but you have to take reasonable measures to protect that secret so the coca-cola formula that's the trade secret kfc chicken recipe that's a trade secret um you know your your mama's pound cake recipe that's a trade okay secret. so wait, you're
0: sparking something right <laughs> see you see this is good this yeah. is this is what knowledge and accessibility is about yes. I have a seasoning that I'm working on. Yes. Would you think it's a good idea to do trade secret?
1: Well, it is. When you, your formula in itself. So, okay, you have your seasoning, right? Mm -hmm. That itself is the trade secret. And say, for instance, I can have the same ingredients, you can have the same ingredients from your your um, seasoning, right? But the way I mix those ingredients and you mix those ingredients, those are what's become our trade secrets. Because our formulas are going to be different Okay. And when we make them, right? So now you have your seasoning, right? And say like, for instance, you invent some fancy bottle to put your the seasoning in. And I am right? And it's, <laughs> it's cute, right? Now you can possibly apply for a design patent for that okay. bottle like Coca-Cola did with a Coca-Cola shaped bottle, right? And then whatever you name it, say you name the season Kiana seasonous now that's the trademark, okay? okay? And then your copyright is the actual logo that's on that bottle. And so you want to make sure you protect it in that way. So that one seasoning can protect um, can be covered under intellectual property over the four, four different, different ways. courses. Exactly. Okay,
0: so now that mean I have to touch back base because you know I carry K and A, which is knowledge and accessibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the name of my um, business financial institution. Mm-hmm. Not institution. I'm sorry, guys. Do not come back and get me for that. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> See, it's small words like that that you yes. cannot misuse. I am not University, a federal depository yes. institution. Yes. I am not yes. my financial company. Yes. We use the knowledge and accessibility, K A. We use mm-hmm. it for the mortgage brokerage, the podcast, uh-huh. as well as my book.
1: Yes.
0: So... Um, with that, of Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you
1: have four. So there's 45 different classes under trademark law. Okay. So based on what you just told me. So you said you have the mortgage brokerage. That's one class. The education. That's another class. And then say, for instance, your book has to be a series of books because you can't trademark a book title unless oh, it's a series it's of a books series. like the Harry Potter series or mm-hmm. the Babysitter's Club. Right. So um, your book has to be a series or say, for instance, you do planners though because that's a product right Okay. now that is a different class as well and that's important too because and so people be like oh I can do my trademark myself yeah you can but then when Kim Kardashian comes and files a trademark and all the other classes you are gonna be like well nobody told me and that's why it's important to use a lawyer so we can counsel and advise you that up front you know because you know it's an actual case where an esthetician she filed for her trademark for skin which she is an esthetic in Brooklyn she filed it in a proper class for that but then you know Kim Kardashian came and filed it in all the other different classes and the government approved it for publication so now she's opposing Kim from using the trademark but it's like if we know to cover it in all different classes another example black um black ink so Caesar from black ink Mm -hmm. so he his name was black ink he was the um he stated, you know, he he filed the trademark, and he did. He filed it for tra- um, tattooing services. And then when his situation happened where um, Viacom wanted to fire him off of what he believed was the show that he owned, they had the right to because they the actually trademark. owned the Black Ink for a reality TV show. Wow. And he didn't know that. So it's just like it's very important that we are advised properly as counsel. You, you We seek that advisement so that we don't... Don't have these situations on the back end. It's another story where, you know, there's a guy who, or a nonprofit who filed a trademark for. More than an athlete. And then LeBron James come, and he filed more than an athlete in all these other different classes. The government approves it for publication. Now the guy wants to sue LeBron James for $33 million. But I don't know if his registration supports a $33 million lawsuit. So it's just – but they did their application themselves. So it's very important that you have – like, people think I just be saying, like, you need to work with a lawyer because I'm a lawyer. In that case, yes, because as a lawyer, I have seen the worst-case scenarios, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm not advising you and counseling you on what I think. I'm advising you and counseling you on my education and my experience of what I know. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So how many classes are it? 45. Okay, so it's 45 classes and... As long as I'm covered in the classes for the services or products that I have, I'm kind of in a clear. Exactly.
1: Because, like, class, and I was just, um, I actually ran into a company, and I never met a company that used class one until. Two days ago, class one is for chemicals, and so they develop a lot of chemicals and things like that. Most people are not filing in class one, right? So there's a lot of classes that may apply to you, and there's a lot of classes that don't apply to you. Because sometimes I get these very ambitious clients, be like, "Well, I want to cover it in all the classes." That's what like, I'm thinking. I'm like, "Well, what chemicals are you gonna make today?" I man? don't know. Oh, I don't no. know. <laughs> this entrepreneur
0: mind of mine. Yeah. I don't know. I may <laughs> just decide I want to whip up some hair products or something. Yeah. I don't. I want to might get in lot. Have, I don't yes, know. Yes, so yes. I get it, though, because I'm yes. literally sitting here like, wait, maybe I should go in all 45 because I, it's mm. something new every two I, years for I me. I've never
1: seen a brand in all 45. I just know that, okay, so there is an exception to the rule where if you are considered a household name, you can keep other class, other brands out of classes that you have not registered in. So, for instance, there was um, McDonald's. There was this Mick I can't remember the name, but it was a hotel and they called it mix something. And Mm -hmm. McDonald's was able to enforce them and make them change their name because everybody was going to go to the hotel thinking they was going to get some cheeseburgers from McDonald's. Right. And so like if you're a household brand. So what I do tell people is, you know, it wouldn't probably make sense to register all 45 classes but let's cover all the classes where you can possibly use it at and then be bold and notorious about building your brand and using your brand so that we can build this household name right mm-hmm. so that now you know if somebody try to play with us <laughs> we, we can kick them out even though we did think about building a hotel either
0: <laughs> so I did see um, and just to kind of wrap it up I do see that uh, there is a service that you guys do provide mm-hmm. to monitor for these mm-hmm. things because if I'm not able to see, and if my eyes are not open to uh, mm-hmm. see other people using K and A, I can utilize your service.
1: Absolutely. And you are such a great interviewer because I feel like you (laughs) pulled everything out of me today, right? And nobody really ever asked me this question, but so for me, I feel like we have a trademark framework at the firm, right? And so it really goes into filing, maintaining, and enforcing your trademark, right? So because a lot of people think, oh, I filed my trademark, it's registered, I'm good. But now you got to enforce your rights. You got to watch your trademark and make sure nobody's infringing on it. Because you can actually lose your rights by letting everybody else use your brand right because then you lost the 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 synergy of your brand because you're not Stepping up as the owner to protect the brand. So, um, you know, we offer watch services and we do it in two ways. So it depends on the type of client you want to be to receive that. So we have what we call the owner's club. So you are a trademark owner yes. now, but you can get in the owner's club as soon as filing your trademark application or even before we file it. And what happens is we will send you a watch report every other Monday. And the watch report will show um, all the things that have been filed with the USPTO um, and things that are published for opposition. Because once it's published for for opposition, the government allows anyone 30 days to oppose the trademark. We talked about opposition Uh a little bit, right? And you might need to oppose some trademarks because the government sometimes do let some things slip through that can actually be infringing upon your rights. So um, we send out that watch report every other Monday and in the owner's club, the clients get it, they get the it, and if they see something, they can contact us. Now, if you are an elite client of ours, we actually watch the trademark for you. And we, we watch it actually with the, that service, with looking at it, the USPTO. But we also watch it through domain watching, um, social that. media watching. We also watch it with um, a lot of our clients deal with counterfeits on Amazon, Etsy, that type of thing. So we have to, you know, go in and get those accounts shut down. And so, you know, right now I'm excited because we're using some AI technology to help us, you know, watch these trademarks. And one thing, you know, I know a lot of people are afraid of AI and things like that, um, you know, but I, I believe... The technology we're using, it's not there to replace the lawyer. It's there to facilitate and help us Mm -hmm. because, you know what, it used to take us all day just searching the Internet to uncover infringement and things like this. This technology can actually do it much quicker, much faster, and compile a lot more data for us so that we can actually go in and, um, you know advise our clients and so we can get to it right away because with counterfeits and copycats right they're more inclined if you're approaching them immediately once it goes up versus if they've been doing it already for a whole year right that was
0: going to be my question because yeah. I have saw K&A mm-hmm. and so I figured that the acronyms were just the acronyms mm-hmm. but the um what they stood for was something different, different yeah. from knowledge and accessibility so mm-hmm. I was like do I say something about that or Or does that um, conflict with what we have going on as far as being registered? So what's your take on that? Because they were actually registered as a business here in Illinois with the Mm -hmm. Secretary of State prior to me registering.
1: Yeah. So um, there is what we call, um, first of all, is there a likelihood of confusion to your business, right? And then also, too, you want to be careful because if they have prior rights, they have prior rights, right? Meaning they were there first. So, a lot of people think, oh, if I file a trademark and you know, I can shut everybody down. No, like, there is something called common law rights where if they were there first and they have prior rights, that they, they can possibly use it now. Going back to the old Burger King case, (laughs) 1950s, and it's so funny and it's so disheartbreaking because I'm like, damn, we, we on the losing team again. But actually, there was a mom and pop restaurant in Mattoon, Illinois in the 1950s. They filed for a state registration here in the state of Illinois for a trademark registration. Now, back in those days, you did have to have interstate commerce in order to get a federal registration. Okay. So then there became a Florida company who created this restaurant selling burger shakes and fries. Right. And they adopted the name Burger King as well. And so they began to move throughout the country. They filed their federal registration, but there was supposed to be an agreement. They would never come into the state of Illinois. Mm. But we all know money talking, you know the rest, right? And so basically what happened was they came into the state of Illinois. The Mattoon, Illinois company filed a declaratory judgment in federal court in Illinois to kick them out of the state of Illinois. Well, the court asked the Mattoon, Illinois company, they said, well, how far do your customers come or travel to your restaurant? And they said, hmm, about a 20 mile radius. So they said a 20-mile radius, and so the court then said, okay, well, they can't come within the 20-mile radius of your business, but now you can mm. never go outside a 20-mile radius of your business. That company was opened in 1955. The, wow. It was a family company. They just sold... Um, the the company to in 2015. But if you go to Mattoon, Illinois, you'll see the original Burger King. They're really? still open today. Yes, and so I tell people, you know, that is a story to tell you. You don't allow, you know, um, anyone to limit your destiny. Yes, because because can you imagine every time they got to ride past a Burger King and look at that Burger King like. I created that. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I was there first. So, you know, registration is very important now. You know, a lot of people practice law back like based on the old days, but, you know, and try to rely on common law. And I just tell people with the Internet and everything going on, the way technology is going on, you want to claim your state with federal registration because that's going to help you. More than anything. And when if you ever want to try to prove common law rights and things, it's going to cost you a lot more than what it will cost you to actually register the trademark in the first place. So time.
0: how do people get in contact with you in order to start the services? Because I'm 100% sure that a lot of people should be uh, real-versed knowledge after yeah. today's episode yeah. and intrigued, you know, yeah. and, and eager to go out here and register yeah. to just protect themselves in any intellectual aspect of their business.
1: Yes, yeah, so I... You could follow me on Instagram at the biz lawyer. Um, I always tell people it go down in the DM. So look, let me tell <laughs> yes, you, yes it does, and she responds. So, yes, that's a good I thing. Absolutely do, because you got to make it convenient for people to contact your business. And I see a lot of time where a lot of small businesses say, "Do not DM me," and I may understand that, like if they don't have like the manpower to respond to DMs and things like that. But also, too, if you're not a multi, this 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 is some advice if you're not a multi-billion dollar company allow people to contact you yes. how you let them they want to contact you and you hire someone to manage that for you because you can be missing out on a lot of business that way so Absolutely. you know but the biz lawyer you can follow me on Instagram you could book a 15 minute discovery call um, for $25 with my law firm and we also have our website at www.rjpiercelawgroup.com
0: Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. Give us, uh, is there anything that you would like to share with the audience? Anything that we should be looking forward to? Oh, yes,
1: yes, absolutely. I'm actually having an event in Atlanta, June 3rd. Um, it's Secure the Brand Summit, um, where we're going to bring in some clients to just talk about why it was important for them to secure their brand. I'm going to be teaching um, some, we own Trademark T. That's one of and our I'm trademarks. And I'm Secure the Brand is? Trademark. trademark. Absolutely. Look, I be I practice what I preach. Okay. <laughs> we own about 15 different trademarks. Um, no, about twenty right now. And also too, um, we're gonna launch our brand trademark therapy at the event. Okay. And trademark therapy is really like we do counsel people through grievance, right? When they have to rebrand and go through a rebrand and things like that. So we're gonna just take the audience through a trademark therapy experience so that they can understand like why this is really, really important to secure. So the brand.
0: I'm sorry. We were going to leave, but I want to go back. Yeah. Let's step back one more time. So you said that you're going to be doing uh trademark therapy. Uh-huh. So if a company is going to rebrand and they need to change the name, Mm-hmm. That's the actual thing. So does the new name get changed for the
1: current trademark or you're re-registering? So we will have to refile it. Um, we will have to f- file another name. But okay. So trademark therapy is usually what happens is, and we see this a lot in practice, a client has built the brand, mm-hmm. ran a business, or, like, getting ready to launch a business, and they get a cease and desist letter. Where, I mean, they have to undo everything they work so hard to just build up. And so it's a process that goes through that rebranding and things like that. And, I, you know, one of my clients told me, you know, Rosina, this is a grieving process for me. Like I, I put a lot into this and now I can't. And that's why it's so important before we build these brands, we do due diligence and research and things like that first. So I'm, I'm going to take people through the experience so they can see how bad it actually can wow. get. I
0: like that. Yeah. that's that's really good because that's honest like when you're starting these companies um, Mm -hmm. whether it's small big whatever it is and you're putting a name in place you're putting a lot of thought into Mm -hmm. that name and A lot of the times it's personable.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think one question you were going to ask me was, um, you know, do you have to wait until your business get big in order to trademark? When you actually should, that should just be the foundation of the business, period, right? Because here's the thing. You never want to wait until the trademark, I mean, the business get big, and then now you're looking into trademarking, and then now you uncover all these issues where Mm -hmm. there might be some issues where now you have to deal with it. I remember Clubhouse received the $4 billion valuation, I think, in May 2021. And by August 2021, they were hit with a trademark infringement lawsuit. No, I think they settled by then. They settled by then. But, you know, like, You have you want to clear these rights before you begin anything, because what do people know us for Mm -hmm. our name,
0: our name, our
1: name? And so it's so important. It's so key. And if you look at Fortune 500 companies, Fortune 100 companies, they have a good trademark portfolio. Right. Because mm-hmm. they own their brand names because they are a value. You know, you can Google what are the top 10 100. Um, no, the top 10 brands, trademark brands alone. And you will see each of those 10 brands that they list are worth at least 100 billion alone. The trademarks by itself. Right. And so it's a value. It's a valuable thing. And you don't want to put it last because okay. it can cause a lot of problems and issues to the business later.
0: Well, thank you. That was, I have learned a lot today. Yeah. <laughs> and now I know both you and I will be back at the roundtable because I, I need to uh, put some more classes yeah. under knowledge and accessibility, yes. considering that I am doing a realm of things under my business. So yeah. today was very informative. Thank you
1: again for coming Thank you. On. I'm so happy this happened. I, yes. I actually think this is my first interview at home. I go I go to L.A., I go to New York. I have been everywhere. So I'm just so honored for you to have me at home and interview me at home. Now, don't kill me if I interview with somebody <laughs> at home before, and I can't remember, but I, I believe, like, since, like, this, level since COVID. Okay. I know for sure. This is my first. So it's it's been an honor. So when you say yes, I was like absolutely it's home. People like the right Chicago off. It's yes. one of the best cities in the world. Yes. And trust me, I have traveled. And we the have world. some
0: magnificent people here. Talent. Yes. And um, I, I do feel like we're kind of undershadowed. And yes. we, we do go overlooked a lot. Yeah. But that was one of the main reasons that I did reach out to yes. you. I said like, hey, you're from here. Yeah. I see you're doing big things. I'm in the process of kind of like getting to higher levels within yeah. my business, making historical changes with yeah. being a part of the 8.6 percentile of independent yeah. brokers, yeah. double minority. Absolutely. So yeah. yeah, it was really uh, crucial to yeah. for us to get together at some capacity whether it was going to be here on the podcast or even just connecting that future events, um, which I do look forward to that as well. But yeah, this was great. And again, thank you for coming on. And just to mention, I do know that when I first was looking into uh, your company, you were at 3,200 trademarks. Yes. What's your current stats?
1: Well, last time I checked was was about last month. We're at 4,500 right now. So yeah. So we, and that's, Throughout the United States. That's throughout the United States. And, you know, I, I reached out to the company that ranked me number 15 out of 33,000. Trade- I said, how did you guys come up with these numbers? I want to know, you know, because I'm going to tell everybody. So let I just need, you know, the, the facts behind it. And they said they looked at the trademark portfolio so they graded us on seven different factors and one was the fact that we have a large portfolio mm-hmm. but we also have a very high success rate with our our trademarks because what we do is we do the research we don't allow clients to just file like if you come and tell me oh i want to file pink barbie i'm gonna tell you no because mattel owns barbie Absolutely. and that's going to be rejected and they're going to oppose our trademark and send us and c-synthesis letter right but see it happens so often where people be like oh i'm the I'm the Instagram guru Well Instagram owns Insta- Well Facebook owns Instagram Right Or Turo King Or um, Airbnb, Airbnb, um, Airbnb Queen Right Those are trademarks That's owned by entities Already yes. And so Like it's not about just filing applications for us. Like I'm really big on quality service, like giving our clients great quality service. That's why we do the research and we educate them. Quality over the quantity.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a fan of that. Yes.
0: So it's something that you just said 15, and it just reminded me that I made a post about it. I didn't make it a big deal, but 15 is now our magic number. Yeah. Because you're top 15. I'm not in the U.S. yet, but I'm top 15 in the Cicero area That's great. for home mortgages, and I just found Great. that out a few days ago so I've been having good news all yeah. week my trademark is officially yes. registered top 15 we're here doing the podcast today that, so that is we, amazing yeah we have some things yeah, to celebrate that
1: is <laughs> and, and let me tell you a black woman number 15 in Cicero anywhere it, you know a exactly
0: Cicero, it says, that is yes. amazing yes.
1: you know I'm from the west side of Chicago so I used to shop in Cicero so that is amazing and that's what we got to we just got to keep putting numbers on the board because, yep. you know, not a lot of people, you know, they look over us, you they know, do. and they don't respect us because we're black women and they don't think. But we we put the numbers on the board and let it speak for themselves. Like Jay-Z said, women lie, men lie, but numbers don't. Numbers don't Period. lie. Absolutely. <laughs> and
0: I, I hope this was inspiring yeah. um on many levels for For women, for entrepreneurs, for people of color, because we are an example of what we can become and what we can do. So for me, um, again, I just thank you so much for your time today. I thank you guys for listening and participating with us on Knowledge and Accessibility. I told you guys I was coming in hot. Mm -hmm. I don't play small at all. I'm too big for that. Um, We have more great things coming this season. This was just a prime example of one of the uh, phenomenal people that we're going to have come on providing you guys with that knowledge to make it accessible and everything that you want to do in life.
1: Thank you.